Hi, and welcome to the Country Hope Church podcast. We're based in regional Queensland with locations in Chinchilla, Gainda, Jandawi, and Meandara. We hope you enjoy this episode and we invite you to join us for a Sunday service. For full details, head to our website, www.countryhope.church. Nehemiah never heard of Australia, didn't have a wife or anything. He didn't know what a mobile phone was. Never heard of COVID. He had no idea about these things. He never had to worry about, do I get vaccinated or not? Didn't have to worry about electricity bills. Didn't have to worry about the cost of living. So my question is, what's the point of reading a book that's written by someone who lived so long ago in a totally different culture, in a totally different part of the world? How can it possibly help me? Because he has no idea about the troubles that I go through all the time. But then I know it's part of God's word. And I know it's in the Bible. And I know for some reason, God has got the book of Nehemiah in the Bible so that me, two and a half thousand years later in Chinchilla, can read it and it can help me grow as a Christian and as a person. It can help my life be better as I read the book of Nehemiah. So how is that possible? Well, there are two things that never, ever change. They are constants throughout history. No matter where you are, no matter what era you live in, no matter where you live in the world, there are two things that never change. Number one is God and his nature. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the same God here in Australia as he is in Botswana, as he is in ancient Persia. He never changes and his character never changes. But also... When you think about it, people don't change. People, no matter where they are in the world, no matter where they are in history, people have the same needs. We all want to be loved. We all want our lives to count for something. We all face challenges in relationships and and with health and financial challenges and the struggle. And we all want to live the best life we can and maybe get the God stuff right as well. So really... Even though Nehemiah lived two and a half thousand years ago in ancient Persia, he had the same wants and desires as me. And society was much the same as well. When you read the book of Nehemiah, society was pretty broken, like ours is today. And so I can read the book of Nehemiah and I can see the constant of God, the constant of people just wanting a good life, the constant of society isn't perfect, and I can get so much out of Nehemiah. As a matter of fact, his response to the society around him, really inspires me. I'll tell you what the problem was for Nehemiah. I'm going to read part of Nehemiah, then I'm going to explain it. This is the first couple of verses of the book of Nehemiah. It says, The words of Nehemiah in the month of Kislev in the 20th year, while I was in the citadel of Susa. So some of those artifacts were from the citadel of Susa. Hanani, one of my brothers, came back from Judah with some other men, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. They said to me, those who survived the exile are back in the province and they're in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and the gates have been burned with fire. And when I heard these things, I wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and then I prayed before the God of heaven. Now this passage sets the whole book up. So let me explain what happened here. Hundreds of years before... God had made a promise to a guy called Abraham and said, through your nation that I'm going to establish in you, I'm going to bring salvation to the world. 
and I'm going to make you flourish, and your descendants will, will be like the sands on the sea. And as you read through the Old Testament of the Bible, it's all about his nation, that nation growing into a great and mighty people that God would bring salvation. And you can read the story of Jacob and David and Joshua and, and all those guys as the Jewish people flourished and became strong. And it was all pointing towards Jesus when he would finally come. But then you can read how they turned away from God. And God decided, I need to do something about this. I need to uh, punish them for their wrongdoing. And so the Babylonian nation came in and, and destroyed Jerusalem and took the exiles out of, out of Jerusalem and took them away into captivity. Then the Persians defeated the Babylonians. And so now the Persian Empire is now in control of Israel, God's people, and has taken all the people out of Jerusalem and taken them to foreign lands and everything's destroyed. And, and that's where we find ourselves when we read this book. Now, the Persian king had decided, I'll let some of God's people go back to Jerusalem, back to their spiritual home, and they can maybe live there. And so you've still got that promise of God's salvation flowing through that people looking forward to Jesus. But Nehemiah, who was um, quite important in, per in the Persian Empire, his brothers came back after visiting Jerusalem. And they saw it and they said, our people are in great trouble and disgrace and the walls are broken down and the gates are burned with fire. Now, they're very, very telling statements because back then the walls of the city displayed strength. So if the walls are broken down, it means the people are defenseless and have no power. If the gates are burned, the gates are where the, the leaders of the, the city used to sit and they used to uh, run the city. So what it's basically saying is there's no leadership in our country anymore, in Jerusalem, in the city, everything's broken down. Uh, where once we were strong, we're now weak. Uh, the rulers and the important people, uh, they're, they're not there anymore. So this is basically a summary of what Nehemiah heard about his people. Everything is in chaos. No one seems to know what's going on. No one seems to know when the lockdown will end and when life will get back to normal, is what he's basically saying. And he's saying, we are defenceless. We have no power at all. We have no submarines, nuclear-powered or diesel-powered. We have nothing. The government is making no good decisions, is what he said. Well, I'm not going to comment on our governments, but I can sort of relate to that. Crime is out of control. We are at the mercy of our enemies. Things are getting worse. People are feeling broken and helpless. There seems to be no hope. Now, you read that 2,000, 2,500 years ago in the Middle East at this time, and I can definitely relate to that. When I look around Australia right now, and I see people have no idea when this lockdown will end. People are feeling defenceless and hopeless. People are feeling out of control. Crime is increasing in Chinchilla even. People are feeling broken and chaos abounds. And it's just, I understand what is going on. The thing is how Nehemiah responds to this. As he hears about broken society, as he knows that Jesus is the answer, God is the answer to these problems, but what can he do about it? His response is quite amazing. It says, the first thing he did when I heard about how everything is going so badly, the first thing I did is sat down and wept. Just think about that for a moment. I can relate to this guy. I'm a bit of a bawler. This week when Lena rang me with the news about Mandy, I got off the phone and I bawled for an hour. I'm, I'm just a bawler. When I hear about other people's struggles and when what's going on, and I'm a bit of a crybaby, and so was Nehemiah. He wept when he heard the state 
of the people, when he heard how broken things were. What's amazing is Nehemiah was a long way from Jerusalem and he was actually, uh, like I said, he was the equivalent to the prime minister of Persia. He was one of the most important people in the Persian Empire. He had profound influence. He had direct access to the king and queen. He was extremely wealthy and he had a lot of influence um, in government decisions. So he was... Uh, uh, an amazing guy with amazing power and he could have easily when he heard what was happening down in Jerusalem he could have easily said oh well that's their problem as long as I'm going all right things are good here but instead of just thinking about his own fantastic life when he heard how the people were struggling and he heard about the brokenness it says that he broke down and he wept it's such a powerful statement because for Nehemiah The most important things in his life weren't the power that he had and the wealth, which was a lot, but the most important thing in his life was God and the people around him. And when he saw the suffering of the people around him, it actually broke his heart and he sat and he wept. I know about 500 years later, as Jesus was going into Jerusalem and he saw people who didn't know him and were living broken lives... It says, as he approached Jerusalem and he saw the city, he wept over it. When I look at our town, when I look at Chinchilla, and I look at our nation and the brokenness I see, when I see dysfunctional families and I see domestic violence and I see drug addiction, and when I see child abuse and hopelessness and loneliness, when I see fear of COVID, how do I respond to that? Uh, I'm just happy I've got a decent job with good people. I get a few dogs to keep the riffraff out of my yard so that I'm protected. I live a comfortable life and enjoy God's blessings. Or I actually feel the pain around me and it makes me weep. Just this week, I got news of Mandy. It made me weep. I had a mother come and talk to me about her son who she doesn't know how to handle. And and when I was talking to her, it made my heart break to think a parent was struggling that much. And I'm weeping for her when she left. I had another teenager come and talk to me about he's struggling with his sexuality. And I'm thinking, this poor kid, he's so broken and he doesn't know where to go. And my heart weeps for these people. I think if we know God's heart, that we won't look with indifference at the suffering around us. But instead, it'll make us weep over the brokenness we see around us. Because the thing is, we know the answer. The answer is Jesus Christ. The answer is faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the answer to everything. To Mandy's sickness, Jesus Christ is the answer. To that mother who's struggling with her teenage boy, Jesus Christ is the answer. To that teenage boy that's suffering, working out his sexuality, Jesus Christ is the answer. And so when I see the brokenness around me, it makes me weep. So here's a good question. When was the last time you wept over chinchilla? over the brokenness around you. When you got on Facebook and you read the community forum where it said so many cars have been stolen and instead of going, well, I hope they get it in the neck, how about instead starting to pray for those people and thinking how broken must they be to live that life? And Nehemiah wept. But he did more than that. It then says, for some days then I mourned and I fasted and I prayed before the God of heaven. I did my weeping, 
I looked at the brokenness around me and it broke my heart to see people living like they were. And then once I'd stopped weeping, I then started praying to God. Weeping over our community is good, but when you add prayer to that, as Nehemiah did, it's one thing to be aware of the need. It's another thing to have your heart break over the need, but then to turn to God. I was thinking a lot about prayer this week. I went and prayed for Jeff and Mandy. And I was thinking about prayer this week because prayer is an interesting thing because God already knows the need and God wants to see broken people restored. And when I pray, I don't tell God anything he doesn't know and I'm not asking him to do something that he's reluctant to do. So what is the point of prayer? And when I see chinchilla around me and I see teenagers struggling and I see parents struggling and I see people who are struggling with life and I pray about it, what's the point if God already knows and God has the answer? What's the point? And then I realise that prayer is actually changing me. It's actually aligning my heart to God's heart. And as I begin to take it in prayer, then I... I start to align my heart to God and it changes me and it empowers me. As a person who loves God, I start to see things God's way and it actually changes the way I see the situation around me. And when I started praying for Mandy this week, at first it was the cry of why? God, how could you do this? This is so unfair. Jeff and Mandy are the loveliest people in the world. But then as I started to pray for them, my heart started to get into alignment with God's heart and then I started to pray really for healing. And and then I started to pray for what good can come out of this. And then I started to pray for the people that are going to be saved as a result of Jeff and Mandy's sacrifice, uh, um, uh, as a result of their testimony. And then I I started thinking, uh, we've got to make sure that we pray for the people that they go to good churches who are saved because of Jeff and Mandy in the oncology ward. And I started to align my heart to God and started to see things as God sees things. And it started to enlarge me as, as, as a person. And so... I need to be aware of the problems around me. I need to to weep about it, to have my heart broken so that I'm moved. I need to pray about it so that my heart starts to align with God. And I look at things with faith. But more than that, you see, Nehemiah, when he saw the need, he wept when he saw the broken people. And then he prayed, God, help deliver these people. And Nehemiah actually said, may your ear hear God, may you see this. And, and Lord, I pray that, that these people, I pray that they will be rescued. I pray that they see salvation. I pray that their brokenness, that you would restore it. But then he went a step further than that. Then he said, what can I do about it? I weep over the nation. I pray God bring salvation. But then what can I do? And the rest of Nehemiah is all about the plan that he had. You see, he spent a few days weeping and then he spent a few days praying and then he went to the king with a plan. And he said to the king, can I take some resources down to Jerusalem? Can I go and live there for a period of time? Can I rebuild? Can I help do something about it? And so he became aware of the problem. He wept about the problem. He prayed about the problem. And then he said, what can I do about it? And I think that's such an important step when we see the needs in Chinchilla. I see the need, I see broken people, I weep. I then start to pray, God, restore broken people. But what can I do about it? What's something that I can do that can actually make a difference? It's amazing when you take that final step, the, thing God's puts in, the things God puts in your heart. 
And the great thing about this sort of thing, when you start to say, what can I do, is that you can do stuff for broken people that I can never do. Because I don't come into contact with them and I don't have the talents you have and I don't have the... the I, I just can't do what you can do. But as you begin to say, what can I do about it? It's amazing what God puts in your heart. Just talking today about Daphne. Goes and plays 500 at Windmill Gardens every Thursday with the oldies and she's invited me along. You want to come play 500? The thing is, Daphne is there making a difference. Building relationships, showing people who God is. I talked to Jeff and Mandy this week. They went to get the test, the, the cancer test. They saw some people in the oncology ward there that were obviously really upset, but they didn't get a chance to talk to them. On their way home, was it at Dolby? They ran into the people and they went and said to them, hey, we saw you in the oncology ward. And it turns out there were people from Miles who Mandy and Jeff then said, hey, guess what? You know, we're in the same boat, but God can do amazing things. When you actually start to say... God, what can I do about it? Not, God, what can the church do? But God, what can I do about the brokenness around me? He starts to arrange things so that you can actually do something. Now, here is an amazing thought. You can do something, however tiny, that can absolutely change someone's eternity. Think about that for a moment. Why am I even here on earth? If I take just one person with me to heaven because I do something small in their life, my whole life's worthwhile if I can just change one eternity. And for Nehemiah, the steps were, I see the problem, and rather than complaining about it on Facebook, my heart actually broke over it because these are broken people. Second step is, I take it to God so that my heart aligns with him and I, I cry out to God about this and say, God, what can I do? What's happening? The third one is I say to God, give me something to do. Give me a plan. Give me, uh, help me bump into someone that, can need, that needs my help. Help me do something. And as Nehemiah did that, the rest of the story is about how Jerusalem was rebuilt and how Israel then became strong and then it ushered in 500 years later, the birth of Jesus Christ, the Saviour, and the whole salvation plan was back on track because this guy, Nehemiah, wept over broken people, prayed, and then said, what can I do? This week, this is your homework this week. Just think about where you live, the people who are around you, and maybe start to think not Look at those people that are running around stealing cars or look at that person who's like that but start to think that's someone that God created and God died for and who knows what their story is up until now that's made them like this but I know that God can change their story and start to actually get a heart for people and weep over them. Second thing this week is start to pray, God... Align my heart with yours. Help me see the need. Break my heart for the need. And I'll start to cry out. And the third thing is, God, what can I do? And even if that just takes a few weeks where you start to say, God, what can I do? And God puts something on your heart. He puts you in a position where you're bumping into someone who needs help. Even if it takes a little while, God will always, he will always answer the prayer, what can I do? 
to build your kingdom to change eternity. Now imagine if everyone here in church this morning all had that prayer and we all started doing our little thing to change the eternity of people around us. And imagine if only 10% of us changed someone's eternity and saw them become a Christian in the next year. That would be 10 or 20 people that would be added to his... Now that's phenomenal. It all starts with God, give me a heart for people around me that are broken. God, I pray to you, give me something to do and God always will. We hope you enjoyed listening to the Country Hope Church podcast and that this episode blessed you. If you've got any questions or prayer requests, please don't hesitate to contact us through our email, connect at countryhope.church. If you'd like to subscribe to make sure you never miss an episode, that would be fantastic. Otherwise, we hope to see you either online or in person at some point soon.